Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love the Because I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4, in the house, Holly G, along with my special caddy this evening, Mike Jameson from the International Network of Golf. Good evening, Michael. Hello, Miss Holly. How are you? Have you had a good week? I have had a very good week, actually. Um, little trip to the ER yesterday, <laughs> Mike J. A little unexpected, but... Um, all is good. Well, I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, I know you went on a little uh, little anniversary trip, didn't you? Yes. You know, Linda has put up with me for 30 years, so I had to pull something out of the hat and uh, through some connections ended up at the Abaco Club in the Bahamas. And what an incredible place this is. Tell me about it. Well, it's uh, one, on one of the outer islands. It's a private club, but you can visit uh, up to three times before joining. But, gosh, the, the accommodations are immaculate. The beach is like five or six different shades of blue, uh, clear. Fish are incredible. Just uh, every and, and, there, and there is an outstanding golf course there. They host a web.com tour event every January. Uh, Darren Clark lives there during the off season and uh i just can't tell you how good it is you know a lot of times you hear so much about a place and it never meets your expectations this place certainly did you had one of the nice little cabanas yeah, a little cabana a little champagne for miss linda that, strawberries uh, the food was great sat on the uh, on the beach in our lounge chairs underneath our little umbrella and just let the world pass us by well, and it's easy to get to, right? I mean, the yeah. Bahamas, you just jump on a plane and our you're flight, there. Our flight into Marsh Harbor, and you're right there. I highly recommend it. it it's um, it's just a memorable experience. Well, speaking of memorable experiences, Bubba Watson closing with 63 to win his third Travelers Championship. Uh it looked on Saturday like Paul Casey was just going to walk away with the tournament. He was so in the zone, hit his, he was just striping everything, putting beautifully. And you know, when you're firing on all cylinders like that, he just had that hundred watt bulb smile from ear to ear going. And it really looked like it was going to be his tournament. And, uh, and then the magic began on Sunday. Yeah, Bubba wasn't even in our in our picture really until halfway through Sunday. He was six back, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then the Bubba magic started. You're right, boy. When he is on and he's moving the ball around the golf course, uh, he's one of the best in the world for sure. 
Yeah, he uh, posted his second 63 of the week of the week uh, to zoom past Paul Casey, and uh, this is also his third win of the PGA Tour season, the most of any player, and he climbs to third in the FedEx Cup standing. So. This was kind of a magical tournament for Bubba. And it's a magical place for him. I think this is where he won his first tour event. Uh, yes, it was. Many years ago. And having disappeared from, from the scene, really, last year, it is really good to have his personality, his his game. He, he's so much fun to watch when he's on. Uh, it's good to have him back. And, I mean, it, you know, it is. Just the things that he can do and the way he can hit shots. I think it was... I don't know if it was coming into the 18th, um, the shot that he hit uh, that his caddy said was maybe the best shot he's ever seen him hit. And it was interesting because he was talking about the fact that it was downwind and he was saying how difficult it is to hit a shot when you're downwind. Yeah. Um, he said he, he was worried that he wouldn't be able to knock it onto the green, let alone stick it like he did. He was worried that with the wind he wasn't going to be able to keep it on the putting surface. Well, when you think of all the shots that Bubba's hit in his career, including that infamous shot on uh, number 10 at the Masters during the playoff with Adam Scott when he bent it like Beckham around the trees, <laughs> an 80-yard chip into the green. You know, that's, that says a lot what his, what his caddy said about that shot. Yeah, because that was the greatest shot I've ever seen under pressure. And then <laughs> Bubba donates $200,000 to the Traveler's Charity, the Hole in the Wall uh, Day Camp, which is such a, you know, wonderful charity. Uh just you know, he's got such a big heart, Bubba. I think he's he's I think he's misunderstood. But then things seem to be really coming together for him after a tough year last year. Battled some health issues, which uh, I I think were intestinal. I'm not. He, he doesn't really talk a lot about it, but certainly you know th- threw him off. Um, uh, and then you know pro- problems with his golf ball. He's changed golf balls, and and that certainly seems to have made a difference. And then he. He's talked about the fact that he's joined the RV crew on tour <laughs> along with Jason Day, that he's you know now got this RV and the family can all be together. And um, probably for somebody like Bubba, you know, who, you know, this, this probably adds a lot of calm and, and serenity to his, uh, you know, his, his week-to-week play. And I think he needs that. Um, I've, I've seen him at Bay Hill when he was having – allergy problems in March a few years back just get so disgusted and I think he gets disgusted quite easily uh, especially the old Bubba and and he was ready to leave the golf course and I think he did Uh, he needs uh, the comfort of family and I think that's a a big plus for him to have them with him. Stuart Sink birdied six of his first seven holes en route to an eight under 62 that ties his career low score on tour his uh, 10 birdies was his most in any round as he finished tied for second. Stuart Sink still showing some game. Yeah, our old Open champion, probably the most hated uh, major champion of our time. After <laughs> the, for that one. After the, the British beat. Open yeah. beat against Tom Watson. And Stuart Sink's such a nice man. He, he's a great person, but that, that particular year, he picked a bad year to win the Open for him, but. Rory McIlroy having a pretty good finish uh, with a finishing Sunday with a three under 67. Uh, seemed to be back in form after uh, going home early at the Open. Maybe Rory coming uh, into, uh, into the zone before the Open Championship in Carnoustie. What do you think? I think so. I think 
Carnoustie plays right into his hands too. Uh, although I, I like Sergio at, at Carnoustie this year uh, after his close finish a few years ago. Sergio has been playing fairly well off and on this year as well. And Brooks Kepka admitting that he was a little tired after winning his second straight U.S. Open, but played well on Sunday, shooting a 65 to finish tied for 19th. Pretty stout to even be playing the week after uh, Shinnecock. Yeah, Patrick Reed, who was one of his uh, competitors, close contenders at the Open, didn't make the cut. They were That tournament exhausted everybody who played in it, and I, I just can't get over how well Kepka played at, at Shinnecock and then backed it up last week. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the thing that I felt – for Brooks, uh, not only to go back to back, which we know is so difficult, uh, just ask Curtis Strange, and um, but but to I think get some redemption after it, the U.S. Open win at Aaron Hills, where he shot 16 under, and I think um, you know really didn't get the credit he was due. And he then you know went through this struggle with his injury the the into the end of. 2017 and into the early part of this year where he said in his press conference that it was he went from the highest point in his career to the lowest point in his career because there was a little bit of time there where they weren't sure really what was what was wrong with his wrist yeah and he going back to the open he won last year you're right he did not get credit because people didn't people seem to think that it was not u.s open conditions and that's what they talked about last year when he won at 16 under par. He certainly got U.S. Open conditions this year at Shinnecock. And people still aren't talking about him because of everything else that happened with the course set up and Phil, Phil Mickelson and everything else that went on at Shinnecock. It's a shame, but he is a true mental champion. Well, speaking of that, we're still talking about the U.S. Open controversies of a feature in today's Global Golf Post about that from somebody I know you know well, Ron Green Jr., um, basically saying the U.S. Open's challenge should be tough but fair. And uh, on the counterpoint, Jim Nugent saying, hey, USGA bashing is a tired trend. Your your thoughts on that, MJ? I, you know, I, I've kind of in the middle there. I think it is easy to bash the USGA um, uh, because one, it's like anything else. Once one or two people start on a subject, everybody tends to jump in. And But in this particular case, they lost the golf course on Saturday, with especially with three or four pin placements that were kind of on the silly side. And then I think they made a poor judgment in the Phil Mickelson case. I think he should have been disqualified. And I think the USGA has to look at that rule or those rules and turn them into one rule. But um, I think Ron Green's got it, kind of hit it on the head. Um, It needs to be a fair test. That kind of got tricked up a little bit. Well, and I'll tell you, that's exactly, you know, what most of the players said in their press conferences before before it started, that, you know, they considered the U.S. Open uh, the toughest test in golf, and um, they – Loved the condition of Shinnecock. They felt it was, you know, fair. Uh, I don't think there was any way for the for, for the USGA to have to trick it up in any way. It's tough enough golf course. And as Ron Green put in his article, the U.S. Open shouldn't be about outrage. 
it should be about accomplishment. I agree. And, I, and the fact that Mike Davis got on television Friday afternoon and predicted that the cut would be 11 or 12 over par, he was only four strokes off. This is the man responsible for setting up the golf course, and it was like three or four hours before the cut was official. Paul Azinger must have been absolutely gagging himself <laughs> off off the screen while that interview was going on. Uh, it was it was it was bad news, but um, but a, a great tournament. And um, again, uh, you always wanted to be about the person who won. And uh, Brooks Kepka going into the record books with his back to back open wins. Yep. Well, we've got a lot of golf talk tonight. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. The struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders in the house. Holly G. Along with Mike. Jameson from the International Network of Golf. Um, we've got the Quicken Loans event this week, the TPC Potomac in beautiful Potomac, Maryland. And um, Tiger Woods back in the field, and he's testing out a new putter. Yeah. Mike, a tailor-made mallet. Yes, he is. Um, I think the last time I was on this show, Three or four weeks ago, he was testing out new wedges from Taylor May, which is that's a nice story. Him going to a new putter is an incredible story, but his putting stats have been so bad over the course of his comeback that he's looking to make a change. He's currently 89th on tour in strokes gained putting. Um, but you know what's interesting about Tiger? He's played ten events plus the Hero World Challenge, um, which was his tournament last December. In those, he's made eight cuts and was inside the top 12 four times, including, as we know, the runner-up finish at Valspar and a tie for fifth at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which he, for a while, on the back nine, before Rory went on his run, looked like he might win the Arnold Palmer. And then he had that great round, at the players, he sits at 61st in the FedEx Cup rankings, and his scoring average is 70.031, which is 20th on tour, despite his fuse back. And he's averaging 304 yards off the tee to be ranked 26th in driving distance. Do we have a little different level of expectation for Tiger? Well, it's Tiger. Of course. <laughs> Everybody else, a little, 99% of the people would take every one of those stats. But it's Tiger. And when Tiger was at his peak, he won tournaments with his putter. He made every important putt that he needed to make. Right now, he is 118th in the total putting on the tour. And he's always used that Scotty Cameron. Uh but he's considering a switch to the TaylorMade um, Spider. So I, or no, it's not the Spider, is it? Um, I, it's the TaylorMade Black Copper Ardmore Three. It's it's it's, it's a little it's a mallet. Yeah, it's, it's a not, mallet. It's not the Spider. It's a mallet. He's always used the blade. So 
this is going to be awesome to watch if he does make the change. I, um, well, you know, all eyes will be on him, and um, I, I believe he has two more tournaments, this one and um, the Open, to qualify for the WGC uh, based on points. Mm. So, um, and you know how, you know, he loves playing that Bridgestone tournament. There's no, yeah, he he owns that course like he does Bay Hill, so it will be interesting to see. Um, glad he's there because there's only one other guy in the top ten that is there, and that's Ricky Fowler, so... The tournament's uh, lacking star power this week, so Tiger will have to carry it a little bit, I think. Well, let's go to one of our favorite golf insiders who's there at the Quicken Loans Championship, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com on the line. Hey, Bob. Hey, how are you guys doing? Sorry about the delay there. That's all right. Uh, We were just kind of uh, walking through Tiger's stats here and, you know, talking about really the fact that he's he's sitting – you know, 61st in the FedEx Cup rankings. Uh, I was mentioning his scoring average is 20th on tour, and his average drives of 305 yards is ranked 26th in driving distance. So, you know, um, pretty amazing after 10 events. We know it is Tiger, and, of course, that's what raises the level of expectations. I I noticed a – I think it was an article – perhaps on pjtour.com, where uh, several reporters were asked to grade Tiger in terms of his performance up to this point. I think you gave him, uh, what was it, A-? minus. I, I, I gave him a B+. Plus. B+, plus, okay. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny because those stats you rattle off, I mean, you know, it's all about perspective, right? I, I, I think if you I think if you, if you were told that's what it would be back in January or December or January. You'd go, wow, that's incredible. Are you kidding me? Hitting it over 300 yards, 20th in scoring average. You know, that's, that's some pretty impressive stuff. Um, I, I think what's happened is our expectations got skewed a little bit with how well he did in Florida. And it, uh, you know, it, it might have just skewed things to the point where people now are expecting a little bit more than they should have. Uh, but overall, I mean, I think it's it's really hard to to complain about how well he has done. It's been a it's been a pretty good ten tournaments, and could it have been better? Absolutely. Uh, but uh, for the most part, it's been really good. Uh, well, Bob, the the one area where I think he is disappointed in himself is his putting. He's 118th in total putting on the tour. And uh, I read where he is considering a change of putters, leaving his Scotty Cameron behind for a tailor-made uh, Ardmore. Have you heard about that? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Mike. I, I have. It's, it's been a little bit of a storyline here this week. Uh, I, I was here yesterday, and I, I walked. Uh, he played nine holes, and you know, pretty early on, it was evident. Oh wow, he's got a different putter in the bag, you know, or that he's using actually. And uh, he had the Cameron in the bag too, but he was using the tailor-made putter. And um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's it's interesting because Tiger has very rarely switched putters in his career. And uh, you know, it's really a handful of times, frankly. It's been very very few times that he's done that. And. Uh, uh, you know, the fact that he's actually even considering a, a switch to this point, I'm sure over the years he's, 
practiced with other putters at home. He's thought about it. But then when he gets to the tournament, he's decided to stick with what he's had. This time, you know, he's, he's actually mulling it to the point of waiting till tomorrow to decide. And I think that speaks to the frustration that he's had with where he's at right now. Um, you know, as you noted, the putting's not been that great. He putted well early in the year. I remember at Bay Hill, he had a stretch there of like 10 or 12, 13 putts, made every one of them inside nine feet. And, uh, uh, you know, lately, obviously, if he'd have made half of the ones inside of nine feet at the U.S. Open, he makes the cut easily. And at the Memorial, he's, he's in contention. Yeah. You know, so it's, um, it, it's, he, he needs to get the ball in the hole here on, on the greens because everything else has been really pretty good. Who else are you looking at this week? Bob, I know it's a, a little bit of a lighter field, um, strong field at the Travelers. Good finish there by uh, Bubba, of course, winning his third. Paul Casey, I, I thought he was going to run away with it, just couldn't find his game on Sunday. It just, you know, it again just shows me how these guys always say it's about putting yourself there uh, to win it on Sunday because, uh, you know, Paul just looked like he had one of the best rounds, you know, of his season on Saturday and then – just didn't, couldn't seem to find it to close it on Sunday. Really amazing, actually. Um, you know, he, he, he made a birdie early in his round. I believe it was on the first hole, and he got to uh, – he was five ahead. And, you know, he lost by three. So over the last 17 holes, he gave up eight – you know, there was an eight-shot swing. And um, that's, that is really pretty remarkable. Uh, and that just goes to show you it's not easy to win. There's an accomplished player. He's, what, 13th, 15th in the world, has a four-shot lead and can't close it out. You know, and I think it was like only four or five scores on the day were higher than his, and everybody in the top 20 was under par, and he was over par. So um, it's just, uh, you know, golf, crazy game that way. Uh, we take we take winning for granted, uh, you know, like – I. I thought DJ looked pretty good at the U.S. Open a couple of weeks ago with a, with a four-shot lead after 36 holes, and you know, and 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 he wasn't able to get it done. And and he's you know the number one ranked player in the world. Given that Bubba's now won you know three tournaments this year, he's got two green jackets. What do you think is the next breakthrough for for Bubba in in terms of you know major championships? It's, it's going to be interesting because um, you just wonder about his level of, of, of commitment. Um, you know, he's made no secret of the fact that, uh, you know, that, uh, that, that he's done way more than he could have ever dreamed. And uh, does, he, does he have the, you know, the drive to keep pushing? He, frankly, Bubba's not been very good in the other majors. You know, um, I would think he would be great at a British Open. But I would too, to, but especially with all his creativity and, and all that, you know. But he seems to get spooked when a course doesn't fit his eye, or where when he can't see the target, you know. And that's that's how British Open courses are, you know. They're very, it can be very difficult in that regard. And so, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, three wins in a year. It's a great accomplishment, you know. Obviously, he's all but a lock to be on the Ryder Cup team. I think that's a big goal for, for Bubba. He's never been on a winning Ryder Cup team. Of course, a lot of those guys haven't been. Uh, but he wasn't on the last. He was ranked. He didn't pick. Yeah, that's right. And yet, you know, I sh- feel it. 
showed up to be part of the team nevertheless. Right. I, I, I think Bubba wants to really shine at the Ryder Cup, and what a story that would be, especially in France when, you know, several years ago you remember he went playing the show because he got himself in some hot water. It was a little flippant about, you know, uh, things like the Eiffel Tower and, and, and some of the some of the tourists. Whoop. I think we lost you there for a sec, Bob. Are you there? All right. Well, we lost him. We got to take a break anyway, Mikey J, because uh, we got to pay some bills. You're listening to Golf Insiders. More golf talk coming up. We'll be right back. Don't play at Pebble, won't pay the price. I love my Muni, I think it's nice. Swing in the house, drives my wife up the wall. We're back, the Golf Insiders. In the house, Holly G, along with my guest caddy tonight, Mike Jamison of the International Network of Golf. Hello, Holly, again. Uh, it's great to uh, have our next golf insider. Haven't talked to him in a little while. He was busy at the NCAAs. Uh, and I didn't see him at the U.S. Open. Maybe uh, maybe he got the short straw. But we're going to chat with Kevin Casey from Golf Week. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Holly. How are you doing this evening? Good. How are you? All good. Can't complain. So did you get the short straw? I saw a few of your team up there during uh, the U.S. Open. Were you back holding <laughs> down the fort? Oh uh, Yes. I would, I would have loved to be at Shinnecock, but I think it worked out best. Um, so I, I covered back from Orlando, and I, it all worked out very well, I think, on our side. Well, I know you're the assistant editor, so you gotta, you know, you got to hold the glue together back there. But um, <laughs> uh, I'm curious. Uh, we've, we're still talking about it, still chatting about, you know, the outcome at Shinnecock and what was your takeaway? Great victory by Brooks. Uh, I think the USGA should be sending him a little, uh, little, little check in the mail for that great back-to-back and changing history a little bit, and uh, you know, kind of washing away the whole Phil incident. For sure. I mean, yeah, and I'm not. I'm definitely not the first person to mention this with Brooks, but I think this weekend, if people hadn't us for he kind of there's a re- revelation about his game in that. He's known as a bomber, and he certainly is a bomber off the tee. But he has, there's much more to this game than that. He's a pretty good approach player, and his short game was unbelievable on the weekend. He had some great up and downs. Just, you know, his play around the greens and on the greens. I mean, the turning point was 11, uh, him making bogey there somehow. He said afterwards he would have been happy just to make a five, and he made a four there. So that up and down probably saved his tournament because he, he was probably expecting to be down a shot after that hole, and he was still in the lead alone. So... I think it showed Brooks is a more complete player than we think. I know people harp on he's only won three tour events, as in one besides uh, the two U.S. Opens. He's still young. He'll probably win plenty. And people forget he won a pretty good European tour event in Turkey, too. So, I mean, they don't really add that one in there. But, yeah, I think that was a revelation from him this weekend, just showing he's more a complete young star than people thought. Yeah, and he said at the at the Open, he said, my, my track record is pretty good in U.S. Opens. I feel like the harder the golf course, the better. I love that attitude, love that tenacity. Uh, and I think this is just going to open the floodgates for Brooks. I think, you know, he's now, he was so confident uh, at Shinnecock, so comfortable with that golf course. He, you know, just has that ability, I think, to, you know, just, just uh, get, get, put the blinders on. 
and um, not get too frustrated and just keep on plugging. Yeah, and the thing with Brooks, too, is, you know, the, the, his performance at Shinnecock was by no means out of nowhere. He'd been playing really well, and he'd been coming off a wrist, in, you know, he was out four months earlier this year because of wrist injury, and he's been open about that was a huge struggle. That was awful to deal with, being injured that whole time, couldn't do anything, and it kind of reasserted his love of the game of golf. So I think that's huge for him, uh, obviously, and, you know, he's been playing really well, so I agree. It could absolutely be a floodgate situation. It's he played pretty well uh, the week after at Travelers, despite probably being totally exhausted. So I, I can totally see him winning a couple of times this summer. It wouldn't surprise me at all. So who do you think over the next few weeks as we approach the Open Championship at Carnoustie? Obviously, I think Jordan Spieth would like to get a little mojo going. We really, you know, we hear these guys week in, week out saying, I'm close, I'm close. Um, you know, Rory going home early, Jordan going home early at the Open, Rory bringing it back a little bit this past weekend at the Travelers. You know, who who do you have your eyes on? Who do you think, you know, really needs to get some good rounds in here? Yeah, I mean, Jordan obviously is one. I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, he's kind of the obvious option. I mean, someone I go back to from time to time, but I do for a reason, is Ricky Fowler because he's just a very engaging young star who just still has that, you know, 800-pound gorilla, so to speak, on his back, not winning a major. And he had a pretty good opportunity at the U.S. Open. He was in contention for sure through two rounds and then shot 84, I believe, in round three. So, I mean, it's you know, the questions are as big as ever, I think, about, you know, his ability to win a major. He certainly can. It's just a matter of will he do it. So, you know, he's got to ramp up, you know, heading to Carnoustie, which I think will be a good course for him. And he's playing the Quicken Loans National this week where – I believe in the odds, he, he's either the favorite or the second favorite. It depends, you know, it's either him or Tiger. Um, so this is an important week for him, and I think he, you know, he needs to get things together for Carnoustie because that's a really good opportunity for him. I think, especially he's proven he plays well at the Open Championship. Well, speaking of majors, we have the KPMG Women's PGA Championship this week. Um, some interesting things going on with uh, the LPGA in terms of the number one world ranking possibly up for grabs. Give us your thoughts on this, this tournament shaping up. Yeah. So it's in Illinois. It's at Kemper Lakes, a little bit North Northwest of Chicago. And yeah, I mean, uh, MB park holds that number one ranking and she actually revealed Wednesday, uh, sorry, Wednesday and today that uh, she had her house broken into in Las Vegas over the weekend. And she's still dealing with that, you know, she isn't even sure what she lost there because uh, she wasn't, you know, there when the break-in happened. So she's dealing with that stress, and yeah, as you said, kid losing number one ranking. So that's pretty interesting. And um, yeah, I mean, there's just a bunch of storylines coming in. Daniel Kang obviously was a very vibrant and really popular champion last year, and it seems like uh, she's kind of gotten, you know, I think she went through a little bit of a slump after she won there. She missed some cuts, but I think she's gotten back to her old self. And Michelle Wee's been playing well this year, and she talked about how she's not really fighting injuries as much now, so she, her kind of her old swing is back. Whereas her, you know, when she was injured, she had to kind of compensate with, you know, uh, you know, in different types of swings that maybe didn't totally fit her. Lexi Thompson, you know, playing well as always, but her putting's not been there this year. She's looking for a rebound, and Brooke Henderson, I think, switched putters recently, and that may be a bad sign, you think, but you know, she won this event in 2016 having switched putters. I think the like the week of, or I think the Tuesday of the tournament. So yeah, there's a, 
there's a lot going on going into this tournament for sure. And Lydia Ko starting to get into form again. That's true. Yeah, I didn't even mention her. She, uh, yeah, she obviously had a really rough 2017 in terms of performance on the course, but she won recently and with an absolutely amazing shot in a playoff. Um, and actually, honestly, almost chipped in for Eagle to actually win it before the playoff. But yeah, she's getting back into form and seems like she's finally grew through her struggles from last year. So yeah, there's just so much, uh, so many good storylines. Jessica Quarter is another player who's playing really well this year who could surprise and she still is without a major. I mean, she's still she's pretty young, but uh, she's without a major. Very hungry to get one as well. Yeah, the betting favorite is Dutonagarn, uh, and I think this golf course plays right up her alley. Uh, it, it's got three tremendous finishing holes. I think five or six of the holes, water comes into play, even for the these uh, PGA prof- or LPGA professionals. But uh, the last time they hosted a major was. Um, Payne Stewart's first major victory up there. Uh, are you familiar with the golf course very much, Kevin? Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about with uh, the, especially those final three holes, 16, 17, 18. I think players have been calling it the gauntlet this week. Um, where there's, there's just water everywhere. I mean, um, I think on two of those holes, it's off the tee and on the approach, and then 17 is a par three. So, um, and yeah, uh, you mentioned Payne Stewart's first major, 89 PGA. That was one where Mike Reed, I think, had a two-shot lead or something with three to play and was just got undone by the water um, on those final three holes. I think finished like bogey, double, bogey or something like that to lose the tournament to pain. So, yeah, it's a very uh, risk-reward course at the end, very scary course at the end. I agree with you know, Aria. I mean, honestly, any course is good for her, but uh, there's been some rain there earlier this week, which should only help her because it makes the course longer, and she's obviously an incredibly long player considering – she doesn't. She can, you know, win without putting the driver in the bag, as she has plenty of times. Um, yeah, and you know, obviously she had the interesting U.S. Women's Open, but she did end up winning that. And I think she's mentioned that she struggled right afterwards with, you know, people's opinions about how she seemed to collapse down the stretch, and she thought she played better than many people thought down the stretch. And I think she's reconciled that and is in for a good week again. Uh Jessica Cordes sits on at, at number 10 in the race to the CME Globe, which is the LPJ's version of the you know, FedEx Cup. Uh, Michelle Wees at 11, Lexi Thompson at 13. And then uh, we go all the way down to Linda, Lindy Duncan at 22. Christy Kerr really off her game this year. She's 26. Uh, what's kind of going on with the American players so far this year? I mean, it's it just golf sometimes. I mean, Chrissy Kerr, I mean, she'll she'll probably bounce. You know, she she can be she's been up and down a little bit the last few years, and she'll be playing poorly, and then boom, she'll have a nice stretch where she'll win a couple times. So there can be that. Um, I don't know. I feel like they've been there's with some of these Americans players this year. They've been solid but unspectacular at times, and it's not to say with Michelle Wee because she did win earlier this year and, had, and did it in really impressive fashion. But otherwise, she's just been kind of lurking for most tournaments. She hasn't really done anything big otherwise and you can say the same thing with jessica corda she had a really great win earlier this year after a really painful jaw surgery and recovery but otherwise it's just been kind of lurking and hasn't really done you know it's done well but not a ton so i think hey that's more what it is they've been playing well but just haven't gotten that spark um to be winning or contending as much as you as much as people expect them to maybe that you know sorry as much as people expect them usually well who are you uh who are you betting on to raise the 
raise the trophy on Sunday at Kemper Lakes. Kevin? You know, I I kind of like Danielle Kang to repeat. I mean, the last time uh, she had a chance to repeat, you know, that, that was her first professional win last year, but her last chance to repeat a title was the U.S. Women's Amateur in 2011, which she did. So she won that back-to-back. So she she's proven she can defend really big titles. And I think, as I mentioned, I think she's got her mojo back. And, you know, she said she kind of feels like her old self again now. So, you know, and she, she you know, her face is everywhere this week. And that would deter most players probably. They'd be freaked out by the attention. She's been honest. She loves attention. So that, that can only fuel her to see her face everywhere. And, everyone wanting to talk to her. So I actually like her chances a lot this week, and she'd be my pick. Well, we've got a great week of golf coming up, that's for sure. We've got the Quicken Loans Tournament, the KPMG LPGA event, and the U.S. Senior Men's Open Championship. So we always like spending some time with you, Kevin Casey. Check out all the great coverage at golfweek.com, one of the best in our business. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. More golf talk coming up. Stay with us. Well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so mean. We're back. The Golf Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G, along with my special caddy this evening, Mike Jameson from the International Network of Golf. And um, we got another major happening, the U.S. Senior Open, Mike J., Lots of golf this week. I know. I don't know what, what I'm going to watch. I know it. It's just jam-packed. Uh, Scott McCarron winning the American Family Insurance Championship this past weekend. And um, we're going to spend a few minutes talking about this. We're going to bring in uh, our one of our favorites, Golf Insiders, Jeff Shane from PGATour.com and Pro Golf Weekly. Hey, Jeff. How you doing today? Doing well. Um John Daly withdraws from the U.S. Senior Open, says the USGA denied poor John a cart. <laughs> well, and we know uh, that, that he's had some knee issues earlier this year. He's had to withdraw. There's a video out there of him actually, his knee giving way. It's, uh, and I think it was the tradition. I'm not entirely sure that was the tournament, but uh, but his knee has given way and uh, – so, yeah, he applied for CART. It's just one of those situations where the USGA went back to John and said, okay, can you, like, give us a little bit more documentation? Essentially, where's your doctor's note? And John didn't give it to him. Mm. So he was denied, and now he's mad. So, And you compare that to Scott Verplank, who is going to have a CART this week because he had the right paperwork. Paperwork. It always boils down to the paperwork. Uh, yes, I really wasn't uh, quite aware that uh, John's got, uh, I guess, a pretty bad case of osteoarthritis in that right knee. Uh, said that he falls under the uh, ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, but as you said, just didn't provide the, the proper paperwork. Yeah, and, and it's going to be a, a real uh, issue, uh, interesting to follow this week with uh, everybody. This is a U.S. Senior Open, and so the, you know they're all you know professional golfers or mostly, and and they're all pretty fit players. But they're also playing at sixty four hundred feet above sea level in Colorado Springs, right mm. at the Broadmoor, which That's is right. you know a tough, beautiful golf course. 
Yeah, and and I still think it's one of the highest golf courses above sea level in the United States. When it opened way back in the 1910s, it was, and you know that's not to say somebody hasn't come and beaten them in the last century, but uh, 6,400 feet is 6,400 feet. Well, Steve Stricker is sitting fifth on the Schwab Cup money uh, rankings on the senior uh, tour, the champions tour, if you will. Um, I mean, he's making money all over the place, still playing well on the PGA Tour, as we know, and still and, and, and banking checks uh, almost a million dollars now on the on the uh, Champions Tour. Yeah, two wins on the Champions Tour. He's he's uh, one of only two guys that has two wins on the Champions Tour. Interestingly enough, he also has chosen to sit this week out. He sent notice early or late last week that uh, he was going to bypass the Broadmoor, and he's had a really busy schedule, as you've said. He's played six of the last seven weeks, including the U.S. Open, no modifier needed, uh, and uh, he was the host of the American Family Insurance Championship last week in Wisconsin, and uh, you know, played in Memphis and played a U.S. Open qualifier, and I guess he's gassed. And, and it's interesting that he chose this week to take off because next week, and I don't know what, whether he would choose to play the Greenbrier or not. I, I haven't seen that list. But next week is an open date on the Champions Tour schedule. Wow. Well, uh, being a longtime Atlanta Braves fan, I'm interested in one of the amateurs that's going to be playing in this that qualified uh, uh, John Smoltz, um, you know, he he used to play golf about every day during the baseball season with Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox. Uh, even when he was a closer, he would sneak out and play with those guys when they <laughs> when they weren't starting. But he's really worked hard on his game. Um, have you have you had much to to do or see or, or read about him and uh, in coming into this week? Yeah, obviously we all read that you know about how he is qualified, and and there are a lot of the celebrity-type golfers that, that say, you know, Smoltz might be one of those guys where if he really wanted to work at it, you know, could become a John Brody uh, that, that could qualify and play and win on the Champions Tour. It's just a question of how much work John wants to, wants to do to, to do that. But he's got, uh, obviously, a ton of talent. And uh, I, had, I had a chance to run into one of his old teammates, uh, uh, Jose um, um, his name slips me. Another former Braves pitcher, and so they talk every day. And and uh, John was uh, uh, John was uh, getting ready for that. But uh, uh, I, I tell you what, everybody on that celebrity tour, the Mark Mulders and uh, uh, Sterling Sharps, and 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 they all look up to to John Smoltz and hope that he does well this week. We're talking with Jeff Shane. Uh, switching gears back to the Quicken Loans event. Oh, Jeff, I know you've just finished up a, a blog for the Inside Take, our Golf Insiders blog, which people can read uh, weekly, the golfinsiders.com. Uh, you know, the Quicken Loans tournament's going away. Essentially, it's leaving Maryland, going to Detroit next year. Uh, can you give us uh, your thoughts on that? Well, I think this is going to be one of those things where uh, Detroit's not going to inherit this tournament. It's going to be a brand-new tournament with a, with a history of its own that starts in Detroit with Quicken Loans sponsoring it. And now the question is, what's going to happen with the D.C. event? Quicken Loans is gone as a sponsor. 
Uh, it started out at Congressional, uh, which, you know, that, that was a huge attraction to get players to come, but Congressional has severed ties and rolled up the welcome mat. They want USGA events and sometimes tour events get in the way. And even Tiger Woods, since, since the, the last three or four years, not only has he had issues, uh, his own issues with his back and rehab to get over the painkillers and things like that, but also become host of the Genesis Open out at Riviera, uh, close to his Southern California roots. And I think he's kind of embraced that over time a little bit more than he has the D.C. event. And so uh, this could be, I, I really think that, that this could be the last uh, edition of the, the Quicken Loans National, formerly the AT&T National. And uh, like I say, the Tiger Woods Foundation will not lose an event necessarily because they picked up Riviera but it's another event in Washington, you know, like the old Kemper slash Booz Allen that's going to go away. Who do you think we should be, you know, again, a, a good field. We've seen some players that have been playing very well that are in this field. Interestingly, our own uh, Brian Gay from Orlando, who seems to have had a resurgence in his game. He's been showing up on the leaderboards quite a bit recently. But out of this field, who, you know, who's on your radar? Well, it's a it's a tough field because you got Tiger, you got Ricky Fowler, and then it drops down a lot. And the the recent history has been that somebody comes from out of nowhere. So this is throwing a dart at the tee times. But I think Mark Leishman has played well, and he's a Northern Virginia guy. That's where he has settled since getting married and starting a family. So I like him. Francesco Molinari uh, is going to play this event and not in France this week. And Francesco. Uh, had two uh, was first and second in his last two European events before a top 25 at the U.S. Open, so that's a possibility. I do like the idea of Brian Gay. I think that this is a, a place where he might win. And I'll tell you what: if if Tiger Woods is going to win a tournament this year, it might be against this type of field where the star power has really dissipated from this event, and maybe there aren't so many guys to jump over. Well, okay, we're going to switch gears real quick. Real quick, uh, you got a winner for the LPGA uh, PGA Championship at Kemper Lakes, another major yeah, I, this weekend. <laughs> right. There, there are 16 winners and 17 events, so I'm going with somebody who hasn't won yet. I'm still backing Lexi Thompson. Ooh, I like that pick because uh, she could jump uh, into very close to taking over the number one uh, uh, ranking. There's a you know a bunch of uh, possibilities that could happen there on the LPGA Tour. So who are you picking? We've got a minute to go here, Jeff, uh, at the at the uh, Quickens this weekend. I'm going to go with Mark Leishman as my top pick. He's been playing well, and like I say, he's got a comfort zone up there. All right, I love that pick. Thanks always for your time, Jeff Shane. You can check him out at ProGolfWeekly.com and PGATour.com. Mike, go. Who are you picking? Well, I'm going to pick a Dale PGA Championship. Right, you can go both. And a Norquist there and Tiger Woods at, at his own tournament. I'm going with Tiger, too, and I'm going to go with Aria Jatanyagarn for the LPGA event. It's going to be a great week and weekend of golf. The Golf Insiders, we love you. we got a tea time. Bye-bye.